Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. Welcome back to Podside, everyone. This is, of course, Carlo. And today I have two illustrious guests. Uh, we have none other than returning champ, Andrew F. Sullivan, author of The Marigold, which we uh, we talked about previously, uh, not, rec- not too long ago, I should say. And uh, I just want to make sure that I reiterate, he is the good Andrew Sullivan folks so uh and joining him is none other than um acclaimed author of such novels as the troop and the deep and uh i I, i'm sure that there's several more uh, i'm forgetting right now nick cutter how are you guys doing great thanks for having us carlo excellent all right so um so I guess uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the the book that both of you wrote together, um, the Handyman Method. Uh, due out, I believe this is what August, more or less August, uh, third week of August. Remind me again, Andrew. Right out Nick. of the gate, buddy. I think it's going to be August eighth, so pretty soon. Ooh, okay. Well, yes. Uh, well, yeah, that is pretty soon. All right. So. Uh, We'll, we'll talk a little bit about this, but uh, since pre-orders, I will say right off the bat, pre-orders are important. So everyone out there, if this sounds like your type of thing, you know, we'll we'll include a uh, pre-order link in the show notes for you to you know do the thing that you need to do. Oh no, I sounded like a certain author when I said that, didn't it? Oh. <laughs> um, um, anyway, uh, so so let me ask you before we actually get started um nick andrew you know tell me about your experiences buying a home and why did you hate it so much (laughs) uh andrew you're the most recent home buyer why don't you start um yeah i think there's this uh, you know home ownership for my generation is something that's very fraught. I was very lucky through like a little bit of money from my family to get a place before the market in my city went crazy. Uh, You know, and you're told, and especially in Canada, you're sold that like a home is going to be something that changes your life and fixes everything and secures your better future. But it's very rare that you're ever walking into something that's perfect from the get go. And so what you're immediately confronting is, you know, all the things that your landlord was putting off when you were renting just somewhere else. (laughs) Um, So I think honestly, like what it comes back to for me over and over is almost like entropy, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) where it's like, you're just trying to keep up, man. You know, yeah. like well, and and I think um, if I can follow up on that real quick, because I I think when when uh, you were talking over at uh, StokerCon, um, you you mentioned that also it's not it's not just entropy; it's also like the the way things are built now have sort of integrated like a a, a planned obsolescence, and if you put a a house together that has thousands of pieces that are planned to like, they're, they're sort of designed to break at certain points. <laughs> that's, that's got to fa- fa- feel really cool to be like, I wonder when everything's going to go pop. Yeah. The, it's basically you often are feeling a little bit like you're on a time bomb. And then there is this expectation too, and not wrong where like, you should be grateful. You're in a good position. you, you know, you're not going to be out on the street, which is all real and true. Mm-hmm. But then you're also, you know, responsible for something and responsible for a place and responsible for, you know, how that place is going to affect your life and how you live. Yeah. Um, and I think that can be really uh, discomforting when you realize, you know, there is no 
often there is no higher authority you can appeal to. There's three <laughs> quotes you can get and hopefully you pick correctly, you know, like there is not a perfect adjudicator out there who's like, oh, you did the right thing, son. Everything's going to be okay. So, so Nick, did you ever try to, uh, you know, talk to the manager of your house? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I come from a line of, um, you know, guys with two, two left thumbs. Well, my, my father, but, but my father's father was actually like an electrician and my mother's father built his own house, him and my grandmother, they, you know, built it from the studs up basically. And, uh, my father, um, I remember once he decided to be ambitious and he built like, uh, or he tried to, um, like you used to be able to get like sheds, like outdoor sheds of, of that really like pressed cheap tin. And he thought he could put it together. And I've never seen him as close to homicidal fury as he was in the backyard, all slicked up and, and covered in grease and, and like, and the shed somehow was like inside out or something, you know, uh, you know, so like, and I inherited that, you know, I absolutely, if something goes wrong of, of a certain level within my house, like a toilet flapper or something, you know, as we, as we talk about in the book, I can kind of address it myself generally, but um, often I can, if it's anything bigger, I need to call someone who actually knows what the hell they're doing. So, and you know, you, you, you inherit a house or you own a house. And, um, I have this terrible thing. My wife always, you know, gets on me for is I have a very profound sense of smell. So I, I seem to think mold is growing everywhere, you know, like, I can't see it, but I can smell it. And, you know, she's always like, Craig, that's, you know, we just got some new furniture delivered. That's what you're smelling, you know? No, it's mold. And it's, it's we got to move, you know? So in any case, yeah, uh, to echo Andrew's point and, and Carlo, perhaps you're, you're a homeowner yourself. It's um for a certain type of man, owning a home is a great challenge. And they just, they try to continue to enhance it and make it better. And, and for me, it's more just like, please don't fall apart around my ears on my watch. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, you mentioned uh, smelling mold uh, constantly. So uh, I'm going to guess you read the Marigold was that, that must've been a real horror for you, huh? Well, yeah, <laughs> he channeled. Yeah. I, I read it, loved it, uh, uh, blurbed it me as, as, as well as many other people. And um, yeah, I mean, he's tapping into something much more sort of fundamental than, um, my childish fear of mold being everywhere, but, but, uh, but in any case, yeah, probably didn't help. I'll tell you, if I have a phobia on that level, uh, reading the marigold didn't, didn't help that at all. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm certain it didn't help a lot of people who have certain fears about black mold. Uh, <laughs> at least it's not whispering to you, I suppose. Uh, so, so, uh, you, you mentioned like, um, I guess the the fact that you can sort of do smaller repairs here and there and whatnot. So do 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 you log on to like YouTube? Should anyone ever log on to YouTube for for you know self help advice uh, of any kind, including uh, home repair? Well, I mean, very quickly. I mean, Andrew can jump in here too. But I've I've actually had some. You know, I make sure I keep my expectations low for myself and the things in which, you know, I'd never go on YouTube and say, you know, how to build an extension on your house, you know, or how to, <laughs> how to re-level your basement. But like for little minor things around the house, I've actually found it to be really helpful, but it mm -hmm. does, uh, you really need the right person. You know, some people it's like, they go incredibly quickly and um, you're like, well, this is, this is no good. This person expects me to be at a certain level of, of handyman ability. And I need the person who really, really, uh, sets it out in kid steps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, so, so yeah, it, I think that that's uh, one of the things that when I first heard what the premise uh, of the book was, uh, I was immediately sold like, uh, yeah. Algorithmic possession. Yeah. It, it put that directly into my veins, please. Um, so, so I, did did one of you like uh, this is fine you don't you know like i'm not trying to put anyone on the spot but did one of you have the the idea for the premise or was it something that both of you sort of worked on to to sort of develop well i've always given andrew credit for the premise um so so yes i think it's andrew's and i'll let andrew 
go on. Yeah. So I think like how it worked kind of is like I've known, you know, Nick for a good decade. And, you know, he had approached me and was like, hey, it'd be fun to write something together. And mm-hmm. ha- had some kind of idea. And then we put it off for like a year because, you know, you know, life happens. And then we came back together. Nick was like, well, I don't actually like that idea anymore. Uh, so <laughs> what do you have? And I was like, oh, man, I want to I think like, have you ever been on YouTube? And like seven videos later, you're watching like something insane that you've never seen before. And he's like, I think my son has. I t- <laughs> and um, it kind of evolved out of that. Like I, I was very much, you know. We talk about it a bit and the acknowledgements of the book and also to other people like it very much came from, you know, a little bit of that adult swim world of, you know, what am I watching? What am I experiencing? But, you know, that's (laughs) becoming less and less uh, easy to achieve as like social media just sort of deconstructs our reality. And so having like something kind of... um, that helps you at first. Cause yeah, like, like Nick was saying, like there's these videos where you're like, Oh yeah, like this is super helpful. But if you keep watching, like all of a sudden you're learning about like how like Warhammer 40 K can help you build a new deck or something. And why, you know, it's the fault of the frogs. And you're like, how did I end up here? Why am I here? I was watching a two second video about, you know, is my toilet trying to kill me? Um, so just that, yeah, just like how, like something like YouTube or TikTok or anything is almost like quicksand. You step in and you very quickly lose control if you're not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. I, you made me think of pitcher plants as well. But uh, speaking of, it, it's it's a sort of a, a type of haunted house concept that, that always intrigues me, right? The pitcher plant type of haunted house that slowly you s- start sliding into it, you know? And then you can't you can't leave, um, but but yeah I, I I do think so. I don't want to reduce this to like a haunted house type of narrative, but I do think that this is one of the things that I feel you you both set up in the in the book, uh, and and it's a, a rather common sort of thing to set up, right? But I think that. It's it's slightly different here, right? The the handyman method uses that idea to as sort of like a, a way to open up other conversations and, and work at certain other things that you wanted to talk about, right? And I guess when you talked about Adult Swim, it, it what's the name of that video? Is it undocumented footage of a bear? Is that it? Yep, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Was was that let me ask you was that one of your influences oh 100 percent. yeah no i was like this is like that kind of just like break with reality was a hundred percent like one of the influences for sure like i think it was something that i mean i didn't even but not even like i i didn't even watch it that often either mm-hmm. like you know what i mean like it was like i watched it and then was kind of like it was stuck in my mind, but I didn't really go back to it. It was almost mm-hmm. like the memory of it. You know what I mean? Like, well, the, it, like it, 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 it found fertile ground and, and took the seed. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It became like a part of my experience. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I think so. So if, if I may interject real quick, it, it's funny because it is, it is a very sort of unsettling uh, and it starts off sort of funny, but it's one of those things that I've I've really um, I've really observed that a comical premise, you just twist it a little bit or turn it at a slightly different angle, it becomes a horror premise, right? Um, and and so it slowly sort of like unsettles you, and you come away going like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" And, and it's really one of these things where it doesn't really explain itself. It doesn't resolve itself. It just simply like you think about it. And I'm just thinking about like this conversation about like, well, you know, what is, what is the purpose of like unsettling and disturbing, uh, you know, media, right? Fiction of, uh, of any kind. Right. And, and I feel like that's the type of thing that, 
sort of, I, I joked about it, uh, you know, going, going to seed and maybe rhizomatically <laughs> sort of, uh, uh, extending itself. But, but honestly, sometimes it, sometimes it's that way, you know, it just becomes part of something that you, now you need to work, work it out somehow <laughs> the way you feel about it. Um, but I don't know if that's your experience, but at the very least, I think that that's my experience sometimes with that type of uh, ex like that type of thing that I watch or read or what have you. Um, what I guess what other influences might you have had? Um, um, you know, like immediately I, I thought of like at least two or three right off the top of my head, uh, but I, I don't want to. I don't want to tell you what your influences are. <laughs> well, I think like like a big one actually that, you know, we've talked about before or I'll, like I'll say is like it's sort of a it's a classic that Stephen King brought brought up in. Um, what's that book called? Dance Macabre. I know I'm saying mm -hmm. it wrong, but like and back then he's citing it as like the the like, you know, the best of the newest sort of horror. And it was super new then. It was like, it's called The House Next Door, you know, by Anne mm. River Siddons. And I don't think Craig and I, I mean, like Nick and I didn't even really talk about it during the writing. And it was almost at the end where it was like, yeah, you know that book? It's like, of course I know that book. So I think it was like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean though? You kind of have this, like, you have this cultural hangover mm -hmm. of Haunted House and The House Next Door by Anne River, River Siddons is this, you know, it's a new house. And yet, mm. why is it, you know, it like there's in two years, it sort of ruins like three different owners lives and sort of destroys people's, you know, it, it's, it's similar, you know, it's carrying on the tradition of like Shirley Jackson, where it's like the house mm. is its own entity. Right. And mm. like the house is something that, you know, betrays us because it, 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 it is not of us. It's something else. And mm -hmm. so I think, you know, King really talked about this book a lot, but when you go back to it, you know, it really has this staying power. So I think that was like in the ether for me. But again, a lot of this stuff, it was sort of after we're pulling it all together where you start going, oh yeah, like obviously this is in the tradition of a haunted house. We've just accelerated it with, you know, the algorithm with the, you know, the outside man here to help you Mm -hmm. The guy who is, you know, not living in your house, but living in your house. He's living in your computer, you know? Yeah. And I think Nick can speak to a couple too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's that one. Uh, obviously, The Shining is there. Um, yes. You know, you sort of, I sort of backed into that one or, or we did um, <laughs> because we, um, well, obviously, I'm. I'm. Anyone who knows my writing knows I'm influenced by King, amongst others. Um, but uh, you know, when when we were first writing this thing, it was as as Andrew said, it was a short short story, and then it kind of got a little bit longer. Different peregrinations and reasons for that. But then it, we decided if if it needed to have bigger bones and more legs. Uh, it initially was just a guy and Andrew, you know, I don't think I'm wrong on this, but, but interject if I am like, you know, out in, in this housing development, kind of like going creepingly insane because, because of this YouTube, uh, sort of fixation that he had and, and something coming through the ethernet cable that was, was messing with him essentially. Um, and in, in making it longer, you know, it sort of became more domestic. Um, and that, you know, to me, it's like, it's me and my wife and my son. Nicholas, you know, that's bad, but you know, that's not a perfect representation, thank God, of, 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 of Rita Trent and Milo in our book, because, uh, uh, you know, I'm not Trent, although I, I suppose, you know, to be honest, uh, you know, I have elements of, of Trent in me, um, you know, and, um, so, so it re really was like trying to put it close to some kind of reasonable facsimile of my own family. Um, and, and that kind of dynamic uh, is it as, kind of as a hyper realized, examination of the dynamic that is at play which you know which is is similar you know to to jack and wendy and uh, and danny torrance obviously so so mm -hmm. definitely shouts out to um um the shining and um burn offerings robert morasco's book which ah, is yes. also another um you know sort of uh you know very similar you know in certain ways and uh what was the other one well the other one is kind of you know 
hidden in the fabric, but if, you know, I'm sure you're aware of this one, Carlo. It, well, I know you are. Rosemary's Baby. Yes, I knew it. <laughs> you having had read this book, you know, and I don't want to be spoiler or anything like that, but in Rosemary's Baby, it's obviously Guy uh, with the Castavets who are kind of conspiring to gaslight Rosemary. So mm, right, having right. read having read the handyman method, you can see sort of the inversion that may be taking place in our book, uh, where mm. there is there is gaslighting going on, but it's not from the traditional, you know, in, well I shouldn't say traditional, but in the '60s, it might have made sense for for the man to be gaslighting his wife. Uh, mm, you know, right. one thing we were trying to deal with, I think, uh, in sort of this more modern take of it is is ultimately how men are, and this is not new. Uh, you know, trying, having a difficult time, I find men are having a difficult time dealing with the excellence of their wives or, you know, partners if they are in a, you know, that kind of relationship. Uh, yeah, I've noticed, I've noticed a real difficulty, um, societally with men thinking that their lives should be like their father's lives and their grandfather's lives. Um, and when it's not, and ultimately sometimes when their wives or partners are, you know, more successful than they are, um, they react in ways that are, you know, uh, in some ways turning against the very person, their wife or partner, who, yeah. you know, is really, for, for their forbearance, is what's actually keeping the relationship alive and keeping a roof over their head. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to touch on that in just a second. But I, before, before we, because I, I really... One of the things that struck me um, sort of very early in the book is just how much of a piece of work Trent is. But let me put a pin in that because I want to go back to like the the setup, right? Because also um, I wanted to point out that one of the, again, another sort of like classic horror trope is isolation, right? Uh, you know, here, you know, generally speaking, you, you put a character out in the wilderness or, you know, in some secluded ma mansion or cabin, a small town that they've never been to, you know, that they don't trust anybody, that type of thing. Um, but here, what's sort of fascinating is it's, it's almost like a three part isolation, right? Because it's, it's, it's subverted in a way because it's not conventionally what you or I would consider isolated. It just simply is in some, the house is in a unfinished part of a housing development. Like they can see the other neighborhoods, but, but their, their, their house is like just surrounded by empty plots. Um, and th that's sort of like the literal one, but there's also just the simple social isolation, which I felt is really deftly observed here of this sort of, I guess, middle-class suburban despair of ever showing anyone that you need help or show, because that's a show of weakness of any sort. Um, and, and it's sort of like being afraid of your neighbors in a certain sense, because they might think less of you, uh, which, which then brings back, like, I think you were, you were alluding to earlier, Nick, uh, is the fact that, there's this myth like this suburbia has simply re replicated a different way to adopt the myth of this rugged frontiersman who can provide for his family. You know, what, what kind of a man are you if you can't provide for your family? And it, as it turns out, Trent is um, very much a piece of work <laughs> as a result of this. Uh you know, I, I guess, was this something that uh, was in the original, I guess, the original work that you were, the, the original short that you guys were working on? Or was it something that you sort of developed later on as it became more structure, like bigger, a bigger structure to it? Uh, I, I mean, very quickly, I'll, I'll you know, I, I it's lost to the mists of, of my memory anyways, exactly all the different iterations that we've, we've gone through. Um, but, but Hank has always been, uh, I think, I think has been innate, uh, to the, to the whole conception right from the beginning. And, you know, I mean, another sort of personal story a little bit is like, I was, you know, I was getting a haircut. I don't know. It was like three months ago or something. And like, I'd never been to this barber shop. 
And, you know, you're sitting there and the barber is sort of like, you're talking about sports or whatever. And then he's like, you know, Trump's got some good ideas too. <laughs> I mean, he didn't, oh, wow. he didn't say that exactly, but it was sort of like, oh, you, well, you're taking the conversation here, are you? And I'm like, you got the clippers, you're cutting my hair. As soon as we go down this line of conversation, I've made my decision. I'm never coming back to get a haircut from you again. But I didn't get in an argument with him. You know what I mean? And, and I think yep. there's a certain part of social interaction, male to male, where, where there are certain men who just push beliefs as though, well, if you're a right thinking human being, of course, you're going to agree with me. So I'm just going to say this. And I find sometimes I don't, you know, put my stick in the dirt and say, no, you're an idiot. Like, I don't agree with mm -hmm. that at all. I'm thinking it, but I don't say it. And I felt like the insidious of a, of a person like a Hank is like, it's that boundary pushing. It's like, well, if you mm -hmm. accept this, then I'm going to go a little bit further and you're going to accept this. And if you accept enough, essentially you found yourself on my side anyways. Um, so I think we were certainly trying to investigate that aspect of, of sort of the male social dynamic, which, which may, may not have answered your question exactly in terms of like where, mm -hmm. where Hank showed up or, or what the germination of this story was. For me, it's been a lot of with this and other books, it's really been about trying to like find vectors and ways to look at, I mean, through a horrific lens, um, mm -hmm. certain social phenomenon that, that I sort of see existing or that I fall prey to myself. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So, so for, for anyone listening out there, the, 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 the YouTube channel, uh, that Trent, uh, initially begins to watch, um, because, uh, he, he, he finds in his brand new house, he opens uh, like a hallway closet and finds that there's like this weird crack running through it. And he's like, Oh fuck. You know, they, 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 they fucked me again. You know, like, uh, is it Hector? I forget the, the, the realtor's name. Um, it, it, you know, he's like, ah, oh, this, this guy, you know, always, always pushing, you know, and he's, he, he almost like starts it out of spite and he decides he's going to fix it. And he finds this, channel called handyman hank um who uh, for for whatever reason i i kept on thinking of um oh what's the guy's name in uh in home improvement not not to that not tim, Al tim allen yeah i was just thinking of him like I, that's who i have envisioned somebody sort of like visibly like an amiable masculine figure that slowly <laughs> just like like you said nick just slowly is like yeah and uh you know and what you need to do is put the grout here and you know i'll tell you one thing the ladies in your life they sure don't know how to lay down grout you know and, and slowly starts to be become like uh, you know sort, sort of like a red pill channel <laughs> slowly interspersed between like actual uh repair uh advice and and how to do procedural stuff um, so yeah, I, Andrew, so I guess, d did you, did you want to chime in on this one or you're going to wait for another question? <laughs> I mean, I think you guys covered a lot of it. I think yeah. like some of the origins for me in the story were definitely the idea of like, yeah, somebody like the pride that will cut you down eventually. Mm -hmm. And that can isolate you was definitely there from the very beginning and kind of what summons handyman Hank. Yeah. Is well, it's I like the arrogance to assume you don't need anybody, but then the fear of like, well, okay, well I'll, I'll find this guy and no one needs to know, you mm -hmm. know, like, like I have access to this like secret form of knowledge. And uh, <laughs> as long as I keep it secret, Everyone will think it's just me, you know, yeah, and then yeah. that blows up. And, you know, I think trying to like run from confrontation with, you know, your own failures or your own mistakes, uh, that was a big part of it. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I, you know, for, for all the, um, you, I think you nailed, uh, you nailed it because for all of the sort of like very macho bravado and bluster that, uh, that Trent has in that first sort of like third to half, of, you know, half to third of the book, uh, you know, he, he comes at least I, I interpreted it or read it 
as he's just like so fragile. Like he's got so much armor up that you tap just one seam and he'll just fall apart. Um, and it just, it was an interesting dynamic to me. And, and I'll say this, that, uh, while, uh, I, I was going to say, I, I, I liked reading. It's not like, is probably too strong a word. <laughs> I, I found it compelling, uh, to read about Trent and sort of like, I, 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 I could see, like you said, Nick, I could see parts of what, you know, like parts of myself and how I was raised, you know, as a, as sort of like a, the, the masculine form of, you know, growing up in how Trent reacted to certain things and, and the fact that, you know, he hides certain things. And, and, you know, like you said, Andrew, like he, he wanted to use knowledge that no one else was privy to, except he's, he's also sort of blinded to the fact that handyman Hank has like a little affiliate kid friendly one called blue who's talking to milo right uh the the milo stuff really struck me because it, it felt like um also to a certain extent it felt very uh you, you mentioned king earlier nick and it felt very tommy knockers to me oh okay um oh like uh that's that's interesting yeah the um i haven't read that book forever but uh th that's the the town uh, they all start sort of making inventions and stuff mm -hmm. like that so yeah yeah i can i can see that um i'm not quite sure if it was andrew Ryu who came up with the idea that he would be uh sort of invested in these kind of um inventions and and the things that uh you know that that was his kind of way that the house uh was predating upon him essentially um so yeah yeah that that's true you're right there is that sort of resonance there that i um i can totally see now yeah yeah i mean and and, and i think it's also um sort of i think what cinched it for me is is that it's a type of like you said like uh, uh what, is, what is the word I'm, like it, it's almost uh a rube goldberg uh, type contraptions very 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 cartoony uh, and would make sense like it would make some some sort of logic to logical sense for a child but you you look at it and you're like what, what? like uh, when trent runs up on some of these things he's like what what is this what is going on here uh yeah like purposeless it, almost really when when it really comes down to it it, does, it not, i don't think any of the the things that he builds i mean I maybe builds like three or four um mm -hmm. But yes, I don't, I don't, you're right. I don't think any of them have any kind of practical, applicable um, kind of value. They're, they're just sort of busy work and a way, a way for, again, the house to kind of sink its hooks in, which, which, as you said, the pitcher plant is a really good um, equivalency there. And that, that is sort of one of the sort of standard tropes of the haunted house is that you, the, the house sort of by insidious means gr grasps out to each one of the characters who is sort of within its purview and finds the or tries to find anyways the crack in their armor yeah and and yeah, get exactly. into them that way mm -hmm. yeah uh and and so uh the, the other thing that, that made me think of tommy yonkers is the fact that uh that milo then uh ends up sort of almost powering some of his things off of his his uh his pet turtle and i, I just have one note here that i left poor morty Morty is is Milo's turtle, and and Morty ends up like a one of those. You know what it reminded me of? Uh, maybe Nick, maybe you don't, you won't get this reference, but I'm sure Andrew does. It reminded me of like the the Dark Souls characters that get infested with crystals. Oh, most definitely, yes. There's a there's a, I can guarantee. I think Mr. Cutter has never played a FromSoft game, but he carries the FromSoft gene within him ah of, there you go of of why is this so sicko because uh <laughs> i think you know to, to to question is to to seek to understand which is a mistake um yeah no i think there's definitely a line of that sort of those crystal creatures and confrontations with uh almost like the accumulation too right of mm -hmm horrible things um and kind of giving that shape uh is part of the book for sure like yeah 
Yeah, I mean, uh, like, like it, it, it also like once the, once the sort of like the handyman Hank Blue, uh, sort of algorithm really gets its hooks in, we we start seeing some weird, some weird. Let's let's just say some weird evolution happening. A uh, little weird leech like pinklings and it also again uh i just re maybe this is a boss baby problem but i just reread the the mist and i was like huh <laughs> this seems sort of like the mist uh <laughs> weird weird creatures that exist only in this because of this thing happening you know uh anyway uh yeah so poor morty r.i.p um but yeah uh so so I'm going to guess because there is uh for for I I mentioned like for the first half maybe the first third of the book uh it's mostly Trent uh that we we get the the major point of view from him uh some asides with you know Milo but mostly Trent and then I think Nick you mentioned the uh Rosemary's baby angle and that's where we get Rita who is somehow complicit. I don't want to give anything away, but she's definitely complicit in what's happening. And uh, I was, I was really fascinated because it, it felt like suddenly the, the book hinged and just turned me all around. I was like, Oh, okay. Was this, uh, was this simply something that, that, you need it as a complication to, to, to get to the third act or, or was this something that you, you guys had sort of like worked out beforehand as well? Um, yeah, I don't, I, you know, Andrew might uh, comment differently, but my, my sense is, um, again, to sort of go back to, to what you see unfolding in your neighborhood and, and, uh, you know, sort of societally and even within your own house, you know, um, you know, women are, have a, have a much, Thankfully, you know, a, a much greater sway, uh, not just within the household, but more, more importantly, like externally outside of the household and like are obviously invested in their careers and in, invested in, in ways that probably even, you know, it made me think about my, my own mom because I've, I've said this before, but, um, you know, anytime in my own family, um, if there was uh, a move or, um, a large, you know, upheaval of the family unit, like in terms of like, we got to go do this, we got to do that. It was often my dad's job that um, influenced that. And my mom would, you know, who is a super driven uh, person, you know, would, would have to sort of make do at the next spot and just sort of figure out how she would continue doing the things that she wanted to do and that motivated her outside of, you know, um, raising us and, and those sorts of things. And it was never really even questioned. Um, and I asked my mom, well, while we were writing this book, I said, you know, why did you, you know, why was that? Not why did you put up with it exactly, but yeah, why'd you put up with it? And she said, you know, Craig, when I, Nick, when I uh, go, went outside and this is in the, in the eighties, you know, in at nine, eight thirty, all the men would get into their cars and back out and go off to work. And at nine o'clock, all the women would come out with their kids and we'd all walk to school together. So it's like, she didn't it was like, it just felt so normal and I could see it unfolding all up and down the block that this is just the way things were that I never really was aware. And maybe a lot of the other women in my neighborhood and, you know, in North America, were not aware of just how shitty this was really and how this really needed to change. But now, you know, clearly those things have changed. And again, as I said, you know, there are, there are men who are having a difficult time coming to grips with all that. So I really wanted to look at um, you know, that, that interplay and you often have men, not too often, but sometimes you have men even say sort of like, if essentially if this woman hadn't darkened my life, you know, I would have been great. You know what I mean? I would have had an opportunity to really be someone, which is a cr incredibly myopic view that completely discounts the fact that if this woman hadn't entered your life, you probably would have been more pathetic than you actually are now, which is very pathetic. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, it really is this sense of like, um, you know, sometimes those guys would even say, I, I swear, I think, I think she's trying to kill me. Like not, <laughs> she's not trying to outright murder me, but she's, she's just emasculating me to the point that like, she might as well murder me. And I think, well, what, what if, what if your wife really was trying to murder you? What if she really did have a secret agenda where she was trying to get rid of you? Um, 
that that struck me as something that would be interesting of investigation. And I'm not saying we did do that, mm-hmm. but we might have. Well, I guess people have to get the book to find out for sure. Um, but but yeah, so so I I found it really fascinating because also the I think your point. Um, Rita becomes both a buffer and like this umbilicus to the outside world that Trent has is is no longer even aware of. Uh, and and I don't think it's necessarily that much of a spoiler because I think it's I think it's even in the first chapter or, or maybe the second one that Trent is sort of like on an extended leave of absence from his job as like a highfalutin. It was it a corporate lawyer. I forget, uh, but definitely a legal firm. Right. Um, and, and, you know, he, he is given this leave of absence because he's supposedly a hero who stopped, uh, and in, in the office sort of like, uh, I guess, what would you call it? Like a, basically a mass shooting, basically, uh, event in his office. Uh, and so they've given him a leave of absence and, and so he's, he's not necessarily, he's encouraged not to come back for a while <laughs> until things are, are settled again or, or what have you. And so he sort of like almost retreated from that life. And so it, it also feels very much like, um, like on his level, he is trying to overcompensate for it. But Rita then becomes like this buffer from that and his only connection to it. And I, I think to to your earlier point about like there's a, a sort of resentment that that sort of starts to breed there uh, because you know like you said like yeah I I could have been it's it's that line right I could have been somebody I could have been a contender uh, and you you forget that if not for you know like Trent forgets that if not for Rita he would never you know he would never have been in the position he is now. Uh, well, however, I guess though too, if you yeah, if you look carefully at at how it unfolds, you can also uh, you know, yes, you know, I, I know what you're saying. We can't really get into it without spoilers, but you're 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 unfolding it very nicely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and I feel that Rita also gets a lot of um, some some good. Like I think she's written very empathetically. Uh, you know, you you understand why she does the thing that she the, the things that she does. But also, like, it doesn't necessarily shy away from the fact that, you know, like, she's not off the hook. You're just sort of like, yeah, this is the situation. And it's a shit situation. And everyone, like, it's a shit sandwich. And everyone in this family takes a bite out of it because that's what you have to do, right? <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's a good way of saying it. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I guess the did. I don't know if this would be a spoiler, but I do love this part at the end when you were talking about like the everyone going like almost like clockwork uh, at the end. There's that section where, you know, they, they it felt very much like I, I, I remember putting a note going like Stepford husbands. <laughs> and uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just read a tiny little bit from that uh, last few pages. Um where it says, uh, Rita stopped at a four-way intersection. With the engine idling, she caught the whine of power drills, the shriek of table saws, the endless dack, dack, dack of hammers pounding nails. So many fucking nails. It came from everywhere. Trent shrank on the bench seat at the noise, curling into himself like a potato bug. Rita stepped on the gas. The neighborhood's men were out in their yards or occupying their driveways. They all had tools hanging from belts strung around their waists. Most of the items fresh out of their packaging. Their laptops and phones were out too, arranged just so in their repetitive work areas. And collectively from them came the voice Rita knew all too well. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just love that that image where it's like, it it feels like almost like uh like a weird subversion of uh what is it the Potemkin village where it, but this is actually like completely real uh but also performative so it's 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 a weird display it, it feels very artificial and it it just comes like it, it gives me vibes like i'm imagining like the little 
Truman Show town. <laughs> but everyone's out at doing doing repairs on their on their picket fences and you know putting up shingles now suddenly. It definitely has like there's this almost like you know infection and cordyceps kind of like not under their own power mm-hmm. but using their bodies um that is in there and sort of an expression of like it's almost like you know watching a uh ant hill get built yeah yeah like it feels like all the movement feels very busy and, and almost mechanical looking but yeah, is any any one of those individual termites or ants thinking about anything? Yeah. Now, do they have anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do, yeah. Do they wonder about their role in the universe? Probably yeah, that, not. That's actually the, the tagline we weren't allowed to have was, do ants have anxiety for <laughs> the handyman? Method. Do termites dream of electric saws? Like, there you go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> None of these yeah, I, were. None of these I, made it out of the the brainstorm pit. You know, was, man, man, that, that that would have been a great one. I gotta admit, do, do termites dream of electric saws? <sighs> yeah, a termite with a power with power tools would be a scary thing. You know, like imagine those termite mounds; they'd be huge. Um, but but yeah, uh, I'm. I was thought I had another question, but I guess I blanked on that one. Um, so. Yeah. Any, I guess, any last thoughts uh, to our listeners and to anyone else that might be listening in to us? Uh, Handyman uh, Hank, uh, don't listen to this part. Uh, you got to log off, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Is that too much internet time? Go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. What yeah. would you uh, say finally? Uh, to f- finish this off, I guess. I think like Carlo's done a good job here of really kind of expressing what a lot of the anxieties in the book are and also the fact that it is it's replicating right like you get handyman hank but you also have like little boy blue you have blue there too like there's a new version for what's coming next and i think part of you know writing a haunted house book is not denying the versions that came before but looking at what the next evolution is and that's very much what ha- what the handyman method is it is the house is being invaded through a screen through you know through choice through making a decision and you know once you open that door once you click that link you've kind of uh offered an invitation and i think we know how that goes in horror and I think yeah. that's what's exciting about this book for me is it's like we've we, you know, Nick Cutter has knows all the depths of horror and has read every thing. And now we are embracing sort of a new era of the haunted house that feels very natural because it's where we already live now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's bad. You know, it, it's bad to invite a vampire into your house. But what if your house was the vampire? Do you need to invite it to itself? No. <laughs> oh, you don't do that. It invites you into it. Um, uh, Nick, I'm sorry. I, I may have cut you off there. No, not at all. No, I was just uh, I was just agreeing, actually. I was chortling mm-hmm. is what I was really doing. Chortling? I was chortling. I was having a good chortle over here uh, at, uh, at listening <laughs> to Andrew and yourself. So it's good. I mean, it's it was uh, an appreciative chortle. It wasn't a maniacal or... Uh, you know, type of, well, it might be slightly maniacal, but you guys can't see me. So how do you know? <laughs> we can, we can hear, we can hear you st- steepling your fingers, Nick. Sorry. I'm twirling my mustache. There you go. Uh, but sorry, uh, you were going to say something else, Nick? No, I really wasn't. I was just chortling. <laughs> Carlo, there I you promise. Go. All right. Yeah, no, uh, I was going to, I was going to let Andrew have the, have the last word. And, and as usual, Andrew really does uh synthesize uh wrap up things in a way that um is much better than i could anyway so yeah let's end on that even though i, I keep babbling here yeah well i mean i i'll say one last thing and uh this this is uh, a bit of a joke that i thought of which is um you know this is to be fair uh once you get to the to the point where you realize uh the the, the entire backstory uh folks uh, land acknowledgements are really important. Uh, this is what happens when you don't do your land acknowledgements correctly. 
Uh, but, but yeah, I think, uh, that about covers it. Um, honestly, uh, I, I, I really tore through this uh, book. So I do thank you both for giving me an excuse to really sort of sit down and, um, and really immerse myself. It, it's hard these days. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I end up having either editor or, or, or writer brain where you start to like anything that bugs you about something, you can't sort of concentrate on the work, you know, like the, the, the words in front of you. And, and honestly, both of you did a stellar job uh, making me put that aside because I was just so, so really immersed in this entire mess of a family that that both of you wrote which felt very real and i i think i've used this uh to describe sort of uh sort of bradbury's uh characters often which is that they're they're often sort of shitty but in sh in very human and understandable ways uh un until they're not right uh and then then it it's by then you're you're the, the story's gotcha so, uh, yeah, folks out there, pre-order this one. This is a blast, honestly. Even if you've never, like, even hung a picture in your in your uh, in your house uh, or apartment, as the case may be, uh, you know, give this one a read. Uh, I think you'll get something out of it. Appreciate it, Carlo. Really, really do appreciate the time. No, uh, thank you both for for agreeing to come on and uh, and for like writing a a banger of a book. So. Uh, Thank you both. And uh, I guess I'll thank everyone out there who has listened in on this and is bursting at the seams to find out what this book is all about because we try to avoid spoilers. Uh, so thank you out there. Listeners, we'll catch you next time here on Podside.